Well, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Yeah. Woo! Who's ready to talk about relationships? Come on. You totally sense the tension in the room go up right there. That was fantastic. That was awesome. All the ladies are like, yes! We finally get to talk about relationships. Maybe he'll say something that I've been saying for the last three months and my husband will change. It's going to be amazing. And the dudes are like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Could we just get on to the CrossFit series next? That'd be fantastic. I appreciate that. Well, we are going to be spending the next few weeks uh, talking about relationships. So I think right now, before we dig into it, it'd be a great time to pray. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your grace and for your mercy. And God, we are so grateful that we are, we are not finished yet. None of us here, God, that you, uh, you love us so much. You loved us where we were at, right in the middle of our mess. But you love us so much, you're not going to let us stay there. And so, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to everything that you have for us today. I pray that you would get me out of the way, Lord, and that I wouldn't say anything stupid because all the wives here will remind me every single week. And we just love you, God. We love you and uh, ask for your mercy and your grace. And I pray that people won't email the church if I do say something stupid. In Jesus' name. And everybody sit. Amen. Amen. I meant that. No emailing the church. I'm going to use a lot of generalities in, in my conversation today in, in what we're going to talk about. Um, and I understand that every person is different. I get it. Relax. We're just going to have some fun. We're going to open up the word a little bit and we're going to we're going to uh, experience some tension, but hopefully uh, get a little bit get a little bit of insight. Um, we're going to be talking about relationships, and, and here's the deal. I think, um, at least for the guys, and I, I, I mentioned, you know, kind of the difference. You know, some ladies are like, yes, we get to do this, and some guys are like, well, peace is out. We're, we're, we'll be seeing you later, um, because I think a lot of guys view relationships a little bit like a lot of us view cars. We don't really want to work on them. We just really want them to work, right? Uh, and uh, unfortunately, some of us are, if they break down a little too many times, we try to trade it in for a new model, but, you know. Um, not to create any kind of tension in our conversation today, but, um, but the hesitancy isn't all that unwarranted. I mean, if you think about it, from, at least from a church standpoint, I've been in ministry for almost 25 years now, and from a church standpoint, this is, if you, if you kind of grew up in church, it might sound familiar. On Mother's Day, the message is, moms, you're amazing. You have the hardest job in the world. We love you. We're behind you. It's a thankless job. You're wonderful. Give the moms a hand. They're fantastic. And on Father's Day, it's like, dads, you suck. Here's some beef jerky. Have a great day. Right? Right? And I have, actually, I had a friend. Uh, his wife came to church one, uh, on Father's Day. And I'm like, Where, like, where's Mark? And she looked at me. She goes, he just doesn't want to be told he sucks today. And, and so he stayed at home, and, um, and he's going to hang out there. And I felt so bad, but that's how it is sometimes, right? And when we do relationship series, a lot of times the men get dumped on a little bit. And I know the single people out there, our single people are here, and they're like, great, I get to be reminded for three weeks what I don't have. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Don't worry, single people, we've got some stuff for you uh, in this series as well. If nothing else, you get some tools in your, tool, in your toolbox that you can use for later and stuff. But um, what we're going to talk about today is not just about married couples. It's about relationships. It's about every relationship, really. Now, we're going to focus a little bit on married couples and stuff, but uh, it's still, it's still the things that we're going to talk about today are a little bit 
um, for kind of all relationships. And it's, it's kind of necessary that we take a little bit of time to, to identify and assess the difference in, differences in perspectives that we have, even, and you could sense it, even when we said, hey, we're gonna spend the next three weeks talking about relationships, people have a different perspective on what that looks like, on whether it's good or bad, whether they wanna have the conversation or not, but it is good to take some time to identify and assess at least the differences that we have so that we can maybe have healthier perspectives and healthier relationships. And so we're going to just take a little bit of time and do that uh, today because each person's a little bit different, right? I don't know if you know this, but each person in this room was raised maybe a little bit differently than everybody else. They have different experiences. In fact, single people, if you're here today, your spouse, the person you've been dreaming about and, and praying for and stuff like that, they will at times act like a complete and total moron. I'm just saying, you'll look at them and say, where were you raised? Who raised you? Right? Because every person has a different perspective on life because we all have different experiences. And our experiences, and maybe you're not like me, but this is what it's like for me. My experiences in life shape ideals that I have in my head. They shape there's like this movie going on in my head of what the ideal life is going to be. And I start to develop these hopes and these dreams and desires for my life that I want sometime in the future. When I was younger, it was that way. Maybe when you were younger, it was that way for you. And we paint these pictures in our head and we have these pictures of the ideal things like, like per perhaps the ideal house. The ideal house, right? Beautiful home. Come on, it's father of the bride. Come on, rom-com fans. This is, this is a fantastic house. It's fantastic. Or maybe, maybe you have the ideal picture of the perfect car. Come on, Pastor Bobby, it's a Tesla. I'm just saying. Maybe it's, maybe it's the perfect spouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, if you're talking, it can be your perfect spouse. That's mine. This is my wife, Jen. She's amazing. She was playing keyboards today. Um, but uh, maybe it's the perfect spouse. Or, or maybe it's the perfect family. Maybe you have an image in your head on what the perfect family is going to be like for whatever, whatever reason. Each one of us has these hopes, dreams, and desires that we've created in our head because of the experiences that we have had. And, and those hopes and dreams and desires that we've, that we've built up for ourselves serve one of two things, serve one of two purposes. The first one is this, to avoid past negative experiences. Maybe some things weren't as good when you were growing up. Maybe things didn't happen as good for you as it did for other people. And so you shape these ideals in your head to avoid those negative experiences. The other reason why we have those hopes, dreams, and desires in our head is to recreate past positive experiences, right? Maybe you grew up and you had you know, just a wonderful time on Christmas, on Christmas Day opening up your presents, not like those pagans who do it on Christmas Eve, you know? <laughs> We had a wonderful time. You remember what that's like. And so you can't wait until you have four beautiful children who don't argue, opening up their presents, and perfectly content not having as much as their brothers or sisters. So maybe that's the ideal that we've placed in our head. And either way, those things that we have, that we have, um, that we have shaped in our head, we kind of carry them around in kind of this box, 
from relationship to relationship, from experience to experience. It's like this, okay? So we have a, we have a box here. We're going to use this here in a little bit. But it's, it's our hopes, dreams, and desire box. And as we live our life, we fill this box with certain things. And we carry it around from relationship to relationship. And slowly as we deepen our relationship, especially with our significant other, or as we grow older, we start to solidify some of the things that used to be a little bit, you know, dreamlike and all of those things. They start to solidify, become goals in our life and kind of expectations. Like this is the way we're going to go. This is, these are the things that we're going to do. This is what I'm going to shoot for. And here's what I know. That our experiences in life Our experiences in life shape our expectations. And our expectations in life oftentimes inform our actions. And expectations are simply this. Expectations are the belief or the certainty that something will happen in our lives. Maybe not now, but someday. Maybe not immediately, but someday it's going to happen. And we start to, to change our actions. We start to, to plan things out to accomplish all of those hopes and dreams and desires for ourselves. A lot of those things are formed by God birthing things into our hearts or, or to avoid things that we, that, that, that we, that we know are going to hurt us and so we try to protect ourselves. And hopefully as we as we get into relationships, as we develop, whether you're kind of friendly with somebody or then you start dating, you get engaged, you married, hopefully sometime in that process, you share your hopes and dreams and desires with people. Hopefully you've, you would have a conversation at least at some point about what your hopes and dreams and desires would be. But at some point, if you haven't already done it, whether you're dating or you're engaged or you're married at the altar or two years into your marriage, at some point, what's gonna happen is you're going to take this box of hopes, dreams, and desires and set it before your significant other. And when you do that, your hopes, dreams, and desires become expectations. Now, granted, you had been planning your life around your hopes and dreams and desires, but they become expectations. Now, we don't mean to do this. In fact, most of the time, we don't even know that we have them. But we inevitably place our hopes and our dreams and desires in front of our significant other, and we say, here you go, make this happen, and make me happy. Now, it's the same stuff, but it's a different feeling. The same things are in the hopes, dreams, and desires, but here's the thing. They're not your spouses or your significant other's hopes, dreams, and desires. For them, it's actually an obligation or a burden or a demand. 
because they don't have the heartfelt attachment to the things that we have in our head on what our ideal life is going to be like. And we start to look to them to fulfill us. And the problem is, is half the time they don't even know they ex those things exist. Because for most of us, our hopes, dreams, and desires, we don't realize them, and so they go unspoken in relationships. And because they go unspoken, they go unrealized, and because they go unrealized, they go unmet. And we become unhappy. And so if we're not careful, the things that, that started out so great and so wonderful become a burden and a nuisance to somebody. And so I think it would be appropriate for us to kind of see what this might look like. And so I'm gonna have uh, a couple of friends come up here. Jordan uh, and, and Justin, these are some really good friends of mine. Give them a hand, Jordan and Justin. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a little bit, we're gonna take a look at what this might look like, okay? So Jordan here, Jordan's awesome wearing her pink jersey. That's fantastic. But Jordan grew up, and, and as she has lived her life, like a lot of us have, she has started to, do, to fill this hopes, dreams, and desires box with certain dreams and desires and hopes, right? And so, and so maybe when Jordan grew up, she, she had a sibling, and so she wants two kids. She wants two wonderful, wonderful babies, right? And, 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 and a boy and a girl, because that's what everybody has. And they're not going to argue or fight or anything. They're going to be fantastic babies. They're going to be wonderful. And so, and so she's growing up with, uh, with that hope, dream, and desire. And so go ahead and Jordan, hold, the, hold that. Well, maybe Jordan also grew up and her parents didn't have a whole lot of money. All right. But Jordan, when she got a job, she really started to budget, and she is planning her life. She's gone to college. She's done a lot of things. She's going to make a lot of money, and they're going to live by a budget, and it's going to be fantastic. And so Jordan has this hope, dream, and desire that she's going to make a lot of money, and she's going to be on a budget, and everybody's going to be happy because, because her, her future spouse is going to have the same hope, dream, and desire that she has. So that's what she has. Also, her, her spouse is going to, let us, are going to let her buy a pink house. It's going to be fantastic. It's wonderful. Lots of rooms, and, and it's going to be filled with, with laughter and love, and it's going to be fantastic. And so, and so she carries around that in her bag. And because they have such a good relationship, they're going to have date night every single night. It's going to be wonderful. They're going to stay up all night long talking about their hopes, dreams, and desires because they agree on everything. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. And so maybe Jordan, maybe her first car was a clunker. And so she has been planning all life long. She doesn't want a Tesla. She wants a pink car like this. And she's going to drive around, and it's going to be wonderful, filled with all the jams that she grew up listening to. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And she has all of her hopes and dreams and desires. She has all of her ideas on what romance is. They'll just look and stare at each other until the wee hours of the morning and just say, I love you, all night long. It's going to be fantastic. And so what she does is she marries Justin. And Justin is standing there, and they say, I do. And then all of a sudden, what Jordan does is she takes her hopes, dreams, and desires, and she gives them over to Justin for him to fulfill, and they're no longer hopes, dreams, and desires. They're expectations. Because someday they're going to happen. Why? Because now there's two of us. 
We have the same hopes and dreams and desires. We're going to get this thing done. So Justin, here you go. You can make me happy and make it happen. And what she doesn't know is that Justin has his own box of hopes and dreams and desires. Right? Sound a little familiar? And so Justin, Justin, well, thank God he wants a pink house too. But, but that's, it's... It's Florida. I've seen it. But, or maybe, maybe Justin doesn't want a house at all. Maybe Justin wants a, a blue car, but not just any blue car. Maybe Justin wants a blue VW, or VW van, and he doesn't want to live in a pink house anymore. He wants to live in a van down by the river. You know, maybe... Maybe because he wants to be on a perpetual vacation because he's been working every day since he was 16 and he has all sorts of other things that he wants to do. And so Justin then dumps out his hopes, dreams, and desires into the expectation box and uh-oh, now we have a problem. Things are getting a little messy because now what you have are two conflicting sets of expectations. But they've said, I do. And so now they both have to carry this box of expectations through the rest of their lives. And so here they are with two different sets of expectations. And because, they're at, because their experiences helped form the expectations and their expectations inform their actions, they're going in two different directions. And when you have two people going in two different directions with two different sets of expectations colliding with each other, it creates a gap because neither one of them have their expectations met. And so their expectations in the relationship are different than their reality, and now there's an expectation gap. And instead of, instead of all of these wonderful hopes, dreams, and desires, it's now filled with bitterness, resentment, anger, and so they have to now compete to bridge the gap. And so we have to have a battle for the gap so somebody's expectations can be met. And there's four things that happen in the battle for the gap. Here's what happens. In the battle for the expectation gap, you can, uh, you, the first thing that we do is we could either leave. So let's say, go ahead. Go ahead. So Justin says, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, see, he's a nice guy. He's not going to let her stand there. But, what he, but let's, say, let's say he leaves because you didn't tell me about these expectations. I didn't sign up for this. You didn't tell me you wanted two kids. You didn't tell me you wanted five kids. I don't want five kids. I don't, I don't want any kids. I don't want to live in a house in the suburbs. I want to travel around the world. And so he has a different set of hopes, dreams, and expectations, or hopes, dreams, and desires that, that he has as expectations in this relationship, and because he didn't sign up for her stuff, he leaves. Stay right there. The second thing that we can do is we can win. So let's say, let's say they're battling for the gap in their relationship. And Jordan says, if you love me, you'll do this for me. 
If you were any kind of man, you would do this for me. My dreams and my hopes and my desires are way better than yours. Everybody knows it. It's logical. Because everybody in the world views, this, views the world the way that I do. And so we win. But here's the problem with that. Even though it seems like we went in Jordan's direction, it would have been a heck of a lot easier if neither one of them are fighting about it. But not only that, we have the third option, which is the flip side of this reality, and that's losing. So let's say, let's say Justin wants to win the argument. He's saying, absolutely, absolutely, my expectations are way better than yours. And Jordan starts saying to herself, well, if he's happy, I'm happy. He literally just said, that's right. <laughs> we'll have our counseling session later this week. I don't want the conversation. The fight's not worth it. Or if Jordan was winning this, Justin would say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But there's a fourth way. Back here. The fourth way to deal with the battle for the gap is to compromise. And a lot of you might be nodding your heads. Because absolutely, it's 50-50. We give a little, we take a little, right? So Jordan wants to win, and so we take two steps in Jordan's direction. But now that we've taken two steps in Jordan's direction, Justin's like, I gotta get mine, so we're gonna take two steps in Justin's direction. But then Jordan says, well, we did that for you, so we're gonna do this for me, so we take two steps in Jordan's direction. And Justin said, well, that's not fair. We gotta do my thing, so we're gonna take two steps in Justin's direction. And it seems like they're doing a lot of moving and a lot of working, but the marriage isn't going anywhere. Thank you, guys. Because here's the reality. In a compromised marriage, give him a hand, that's good. Here's the reality. In a compromised marriage, we actually create a debt-debtor relationship. And we start to do things for one another because we owe it to the other person or we're owed something in return. And we start to keep score, don't we? We start to say, yeah, but we went to your parents' house last Christmas. We moved into the house that you wanted. We have as many kids as you wanted. When are we gonna do the things that I want? When are we going to focus on me? And now all of a sudden you think what you're doing is great, you think what you're doing is helping the marriage, but what you're actually doing is wearing away the trust because you're not looking at the other person to serve them, you're looking at the other person Waiting to be served because we just did something for you. And you may have grown up. You may have grown up with none of this. You may have had a rough life. And the things that you had planned for your life, they don't look anything like what you're experiencing right now. And all of those hopes and those dreams and desires that we built up in our heads 
that became expectations as soon as we laid them at the feet of our significant others. All of those things, it's not that they're bad. It's just we're expecting them to do something that they have no power doing. And when we compromise like that, it wears away at the trust that we have for one another. Because now I'm wondering, when do I get my thing? That's not fair. And not only does it wear away the trust, but it actually wears away intimacy between couples. And here's why. Because when we have a debt-debtor relationship that's been established, we stop doing things out of love. And we do things out of obligation. I don't do your thing because I love you. I do it because I owe you. And now that I've done that thing, you owe me next time. And if I don't get the thing that I expect, we're going to have some problems. Because the one thing about expectations or even hopes, dreams, and desires is they are all focused on who? Me, because nobody has the ideal picture in the head of how they can be the ideal spouse for someone else. Hopes, dreams, and desires are focused on me. And it doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. But when we have a me perspective and we give it to another person and it still has the me perspective, love is out of the question. There's no margin for it. And so we leave, or we win, or we lose, or we compromise. But it leaves no room for the love that Jesus talks about in John chapter 13, 34. This is what he says. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. The love that he's talking about is agape. Agape love and what I think a lot of people don't realize is that the Greeks had several words for love. And agape love isn't a feeling, it's actually a verb, it's an action. It's unconditional, self-sacrificial love. A love that expects nothing in return, even though you've given up something for it. And so when we're keeping score and we have a debt-debtor relationship... It, mar it, it, it pushes agape love into the margins and we're not self-sacrificing and we expect something in return. Paul goes on to kind of expound this in Ephesians chapter five, verse two. And he says this, walk in the way of love. Agape. In every relationship, in every circumstance, in every interaction, in every appointment, everywhere you go, with every person you go there with, specifically your significant other, walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of self-sacrificial, unconditional love. A love that sacrifices something from you and doesn't expect anything in return. 
So how do we get there and keep the hopes, dreams, and desires out of the expectation box? How do we do that? The first thing to do is remember that we actually are bringing expectations to the table. But as we do that, I have a question that I think we can ask ourselves to help maybe pause. Even before we have the battle, even before we throw the things in the expectation box and tell our partner, hey, here's all my stuff, make it happen and make me happy, we can actually pause and ask ourselves this really important question. In reality, at the end of the day, at the bottom of it all, what does that person really owe me? What do they really owe me? And what happy couples have come to realize, they don't owe you anything. Because happy couples know this. We owe each other everything. But we are owed nothing. And so in your relationship, you can be grateful for the person that is walking your journey with you. They are God's gift to you. They love you as crazy as you are sometimes. You owe each other everything. But you are owed nothing in return. Because here's Here's the other part of that passage in Ephesians. Go ahead and put that up. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's the picture. The ultimate servant. Because our wonderful Savior exemplified what self-sacrificial, unconditional love was when he went to a cross and died a horrible death and he knew, he knew that there would be people that he was dying for that would reject him out of hand. And yet he still went to the cross. And in every relationship we have, we're to embody that same kind of self-sacrificial love. To look at our significant other, our husband, our wife, and look at them with gratitude. God, thank you so much for them. I want to give them everything. They've given me so much. I want to give them everything, and they don't have to do anything in return. They may even reject that out of hand. I don't care. I'm so grateful for them. It's not about keeping score. It's about living a life of service to someone else. Knowing that your heavenly father is the one that fills it is the one that accomplishes it, is the one that can help you see your hopes, dreams, and desires come to fruition in your life. We look at our significant others to fulfill things that they could never fulfill. Only God can. 
When I counsel couples, this expectation gap in the battle for it is almost the number, actually it is the number one reason why couples struggle. For me, in my counseling experience, whether it has to do with money, intimacy, promises, direction of life, unmet expectations drive people into bitterness and anger and resentment. What would happen in your life if you and your significant other, you and your spouse, your husband or your wife, lived your lives trying to outserve one another? Now, I don't mean to keep scoring that, but what if they were more concerned about what was good for you and you were more concerned about what was good for them. What if you embodied in that relationship and in every other relationship this truth to consider others better than yourself? See, single people, I told you there'd be something. What if that was the picture of all of our relationships and we didn't even have the battle for the gap anymore? So where do we go from here? It'd be very easy to go home today and look at your spouse and go, okay, we need to talk about your expectations. <laughs> but I don't want you to do that. Here's what I'm asking you to do to prepare your heart for the next two weeks. I want you to go home and spend some time with God and ask this question. What are the expectations that I'm bringing to this? How am I looking at my spouse to fulfill things that maybe only God can fulfill in my life. What are my expectations? Don't worry about them. What, what are the expectations that I'm bringing to this relationship? I told you, most unmet expectations are also unspoken expectations because we don't know that we have them. And I think maybe sometimes it's a good idea to do some soul searching. And so instead of talking about the other person, Perhaps we need to spend a little bit of time on ourselves. And so if you would just ask yourself that question, what are the expectations that I'm bringing to this relationship? Because here's the thing, married couples. We talked about this several weeks ago, that the most important you is beside you. And the most important you beside you is your spouse. The marriage relationship is the example that God used with, to describe the relationship with Jesus and the church. It's incredibly important. And there are those people in this room today And you haven't experienced what it is like to follow Jesus. You're kind of checking this church thing out, right? Like this church thing is kind of cool. The people a little, eh. but the church thing's kind of cool. But you've been walking around your life with a box of expectations with your spouse. And all I'm asking you to do is to put the box down and give it to Jesus. 
You see, your spouse can't fulfill you as an individual. They can't complete you. They can't give you the worth that you're searching for. You're here today and you haven't started to follow Jesus. You don't know what that is. I would really like to introduce you to the person who can fill the void, who can give you meaning because he wants to. He gave you the hopes and the dreams and the desires. He can help you fulfill them in your life if you let him. So I'm gonna say a prayer in one moment here. And if you're here today and you haven't begun a journey with Jesus Christ and you're feeling stressed and anxious and bitter because everywhere you've turned, Nobody can fulfill those desires in your heart. Nobody can fill the void. Nobody can give you your hopes, dreams, and desires. Jesus is waiting with open arms and saying, I showed you that I would if you'll let me. So we're all just gonna pray together. And if you want to begin a journey with Jesus, I just ask you to pray this in your heart. And for those of you who've been following him, I want to encourage you. You're not immune to placing your expectations into the arms of your significant other. And maybe you need to walk a little bit deeper with Jesus this week. That's not a scolding. That's an invitation to a freer life and a better walk. And what you've been stressing about and hoping for for years can finally happen in your heart because you've given it over to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are the creator of my heart, of all of our hearts. And you've been with us every step of our lives through the painful times and the great times. Lord, we, we pray in the name of Jesus that those things that are deeply rooted in our hearts, God, those hopes and dreams and desires wouldn't turn into expectations, but we could hand them over to you instead of giving them over to our spouse and demanding that they fulfill our lives. God, I pray for each person here who hasn't started a relationship with you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch them where they're at with no condemnation. And God, that you would help them hand the reins of their life over, hand the box of hopes and dreams over to you, and I pray that you would make them new today, that you would fill them with your purpose and fill them with your life and help them to experience your love and help them, God, from today moving forward to follow you because it's only in you that we can find fulfillment. Forgive us, God, for looking at other people for it. Help us to walk in your way. I pray, God, for marriages today and relationships that are struggling because of unmet expectations. I pray, God, that you would illuminate our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.
And everybody said, amen. Amen. We have a prayer room for those of you that maybe would like prayer. Maybe you, you prayed along with me and said, I want to follow Jesus today. We would love to know that you can, you can text Cape Yes. We encourage you to do that. We want to give you Cape Yes to 94,000. We want to give you some uh, tools that will help you in your walk. But maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe your marriage is struggling right now. We have a prayer room. Prayer works, folks. It works. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that as well. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you.